Hello, hi, good morning, and welcome to a new dawning of the U.S. court system holding the police accountable for their actions. If you are not elated by that statement, you have found your way to the wrong fucking podcast. It was nice to have you here. Goodbye. Mental health is political. Hey there, welcome to Depressed and Shit, where conversations on mental health don't have to look or sound any one specific way. I'm your host, Leah Mata, and I am not a therapist, and this is not a substitute for therapy. Although I am currently studying psychology and neuroscience, and let me tell you, that shit is goddamn hard. Okay, question. How much would you say you talk just openly about your pain or your depression with people? No sarcasm, no TikTok bits and all that shit. Really telling a friend when you're going through it, like, today I don't like myself very much. How much do you actually share that out loud with people? It's hard and it's scary. And today, we are talking about it with Devmo, musical artist, singer-songwriter, rapper Devmo, who recently released a brand new EP called Tears that doesn't exactly sugarcoat some of the painful feelings she's been moving through. And guess what? With the help of music and community and talk therapy, ever heard of it? Not all sad stories have a sad ending. Hey, if you vibe with the show, please drop us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Help us get the word out on mental health and how it can just be so helpful to share our stories and know we're not alone. All right, let's get into it. I'm stoked to introduce you to Devmo. I had a great time talking to her and she's a really cool chick. Let's do it. Welcome to Depressed and Shit. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm super it, depressed. No, I'm just <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Welcome, welcome to this club. You are now officially a depressed guest. Uh, that that was a term coined by a guest back in February that I've now borrowed. Yeah, we got to coin that. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong. You're typically in Los Angeles, but you're in New York right now, or did you move to New York? permanently i'm from los angeles i'm from santa monica specifically like went to high school there and have pretty much lived there ever since but um i also am a person who gets really bored easily and i need to move a lot i need to Uh, like experience new things a lot yeah so uh especially after being locked down for the last year i I was time for me to go so my mom lives in new york and i came out here for christmas and then i was like you know what i'm just gonna stay so i've pretty much stayed since since Christmas. Magical. That's really nice. I used to travel like a motherfucker before the pandemic. It's been hard. (laughs) One tiny reason for all the millions of reasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you think it's a tiny one. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of a big one is just missing out on adventures and new people. Mm -hmm. It's like something that like, really makes me tick. Something I thrive off of and not having that for so long was 
it was taking away my my soul. <laughs> like it was taking my soul away. And on top of that, I would assume that another thing that you've lost that's probably been super gnarly to you is not being able to be at shows, right? And like interacting with crowds and meeting new people is probably a big one too. Yeah, I definitely was missing performing for a very long time. And people would ask me to do uh, performances like online or on Zoom or Instagram live. And I think I did too. And they were both just so trash that I was like, I'm never going to do this again. I hate it. You know, <laughs> it's not the same. I don't feel any energy back. And I'm no, just like, not, the not same. motivated to be excited to perform. So it's true. It's, yeah, it's just whack. I don't know. So as a musical artist, how do you identify? I know... I know you as a singer-songwriter. I know you as a rapper. Yeah, I'm, I'm a rapper. I'm a singer. I'm a songwriter. I'm starting to get into producing, so I suppose I could say I'm a producer. Nice. And I'm definitely a performer, so all of those. So you released an EP this past January called Tears, and the messages of that album, a lot of themes involving emotional stability and insecurity and self-worth. A lot of those scenes very much vibe with this show, I would say, depressed and shit. So right. oh, yeah. <laughs> can you tell us about where you were at in life when the idea for this album first materialized in your mind? Yeah, um, obviously it wasn't in a great place. Right, right. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So I wrote this probably like a good six months to a year before the pandemic. And I was just not in a good place. I actually had moved to Chicago for six months. Something like really um, traumatic had happened in my life in the end of 2018. And so April of 2019, I was like, I need to get out of here. And so I moved to Chicago where I actually grew up there before high school. So I have oh. family and my godfather had a place that he was like, you can crash in my apartment. So I went there for six months. It really like rejuvenated me and I felt really happy there. And I felt like the attachment to all the traumatic things that have happened weren't there. So I had a great time. Great. Um, and then six months later, you know, it was starting to get cold again. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to go back to LA. And so I got in my car and I went back to LA and when I got back to LA, I realized that all of the things that I was running from, all the trauma was still very much there and real and alive. And I was kind of like even more depressed because I had just been putting off dealing with all the things that had happened. So yeah. I got back home and um, was in a very bad place. I mean, also music wasn't going well for me. And I just kind of felt like you mean you weren't getting the kind of, I don't know, opportunities you were hoping for at that specific moment in time? Yeah, exactly. It just, it felt like, I, I mean, I have been doing music since 2013. So it just kind of felt like I've been doing this for so long and I'm still yeah. not even close to where I want to be. And, and all this traumatic stuff had happened, which was like kind of haunting me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I had so much, I just had so much like issues with my self-worth and my confidence and, I don't know. I think there's a lot of different ways you can deal with that, but music has always been my therapy. And I just, especially in my song, Self-Deprecation, it's like the second one on the, the EP. I just yeah. felt, yeah, I felt the need to, to really just lay it all out there. Like my deepest, darkest insecurities about myself. I was going to say, so self-deprecation, which is in my opinion, like the headbanger of the EP. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like it, it's got like great energy and it's a little more upbeat than some of the others, uh, like tempo wise. Right. So I can, I can 
fucking relate to that song, especially even with like this show. Sometimes I'll, for example, re-record the little two minute intros for each episode. I'll re-record them like 20 times before I before I'm convinced I don't sound like an absolute dumbass. So <laughs> with self-deprecation, what did it feel like to take everything you were going through and shove it out into the open for people to see and to hear? really raw. I mean, it was scary to put that out. I was really nervous about it. And really? it was the first EP that I ever had to put out where I put a disclaimer being like, I wrote everything over a year ago. And I felt that I had to say that because I didn't want people to think that, like, I don't want people to worry about me, you know, oh. like, are you like depressed? Are you going to kill yourself? Like, I just, I don't want people to worry about me. So I put out a whole disclaimer before being like, this is my new EP tears. And like, I think it's really important that this is out because this is real, but I don't necessarily feel like this right now in my life. I feel really good. It was just like, please don't worry, but please enjoy. And if you can relate, great. You know, and it was, you know, some people did reach out and they were worried about me and some people reached out and they're like, somebody actually gets it, you know? So it was interesting feedback, but that's definitely the most vulnerable I've ever been in a song or a project. And um, I'm happy I did it, but like, it was extremely nerve wracking. I mean, that's scarier to me than talking about like sex or talking about honestly anything else is just really telling my insecurities and, and my sad thoughts. Yeah. And it, it sounds like, well, had you written much about mental health or mental well-being or depression previous to tears? I don't think, I think I have in my own way, but like it could be taken different ways. Like I never was just like, I call myself a piece of shit 20,000. Right. Like, <laughs> Not fair. quite so overtly. <laughs> that's just like, I hate, that was basically me being like, I hate myself, you know? And that's like how I felt at that time. So this was so. a change for your listeners that like a step away from what you had been offering your listeners previously. And that in and of itself was fucking terrifying. Right. And I think that like people were used to me kind of putting out like love songs where I got hurt a lot. So like okay. I always kind of had that kind of connotation of, I don't know, I don't want to say like negative, but like sad a little bit, sad girl, <laughs> sad girl vibes. And that, um, I mean, that's a, that's the thing these days. <laughs> right. But, you know, and then like that's also something that I get over. I, I'm like over that being, I don't know, something like an identifier for myself, you know, but I just always have used music as a, a, a therapy tool. So, you know, I was just talking about the sad things I've been through. And so mm -hmm. I'd always put it out. And then I put out a song called Running Home, which was like a real love song. And it was like really happy. And I remember so many people being like, oh, wow, like you made a happy song. Like, and I was like, oh, shit, do I make like only depressing songs? <laughs> you, know? you released that after Tears had come out? No, that was that was right before okay. Tears, though. So probably messed them up with that little switcheroo. <laughs> you gave us a, a, like a little nugget of a, of, of a mention of someone responding positively to tears and really identifying with it. Can you tell us? Oh, yeah. Maybe sure. any more experiences you had like that or like what you think a listener could gain from listening to the EP? I think just the time that I put it out was, you know, we had been already in the pandemic for a while. And I think a lot of people were feeling really depressed and lonely. So I think it was yeah. something people could have, a lot of people could relate to. And, you know, people did reach out. And like I said, some were concerned and some like related, like, uh, even my, I have a cousin who listened and he's, he was saying that he's like, I had no idea anyone else felt the same way that I did, let alone my own cousin, you know? 
And that yeah. was kind of cool. And he said he cried from listening to it because he like totally understood what I was talking about. And so you were addressing things that folks had maybe never talked about out in the open. Yeah, because there's always been a negative connotation on it. And it's embarrassing. And like, I think it was always like not okay. But especially in the age of social media, I mean, there are times where I put up something where I'm like, I'm going through it, you know, or I write some real status. And people will reach out being like, why, why are you putting that on the internet? And it's just like, because I want to. And it's like, why don't you worry about your own business? <laughs> you know, yeah, this is a theme. And I think it's worth slowing down to like, say this, this is a theme I've heard from a lot of guests that have come on this show about trying to keep it real online or like trying to just share what they're going through with their community and getting immediately shut down by folks in the way that you just described. It's really sad. You think that people would be more um, supportive and comforting, but, and a lot of people are, don't get me wrong, but there's always a few that are just, they kind of just shit on you or make you feel worse or make you feel like you have a problem. And, and what they don't understand is like the whole point of me putting it out was to make you feel like you don't have a problem because I'm showing you that everyone has problems, you know? And like for them to be like, whoa, like, are you okay? It's just like, fuck you, bitch. Like, what do you, I don't know. It, just, it bothers me a lot. You have another show on the EP called, uh, excuse me. You have another song on the EP called um, Haters. Is this what you're saying right now related to the haters that you're discussing in that song? Yeah, yeah, people, yeah, there's always hate, you know. (laughs) But for all the hate, there's like 10 times more love, so it doesn't really matter. Just, I just always find it interesting that the people that hate, so to speak, are the people that are too scared to ever do what I do. Or, Mm. you know, I don't know, just that's what it seems like to me. It's people that are scared to be vulnerable are the people that are like the haters. Really quick, just to go back to that, like posting about real things that are happening. I, I, during the tears EP, so as promo, one of the things I did is I posted a few photos of me crying because yes, sometimes when I cry, I tend to take like selfies. I don't know why it's just kind of, I feel like it's like, I don't want to forget the feeling. I don't want to forget the hurt. And I don't know why that's important to me, but it is. So, and it doesn't happen every time, but I do sometimes take selfies when I'm like really in pain. Yeah. I don't know why, like now that even saying it out loud sounds weird, but it's a I thing. I don't think so. Cause so, yeah, well, it's like you can go back and revisit it and, rec- and recognize that you're no longer feeling that way or something. Right. Maybe that's it, but it's just this feeling of like, I don't want to forget how much this hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same way that we take photos when we're happy with our friends. It's like, why? Good point. Those and we don't want to remember the like sad times. Oh, excellent point. Good. Yes. Um, so anyway, I put up these photos and, you know, like off the bat, it was people just being like, are you okay? Like, whoa, I've never taken a crying selfie in my life. Just people Classic. being rude mm-hmm. as hell. And then I was just you know, like, you know what? Here's a challenge. Like, send me your crying selfies and I'll post them on my story. And I got tons of them. So it just made me feel so much better because it's like, look at all these people who take photos of themselves and they cry. And yeah. it's sort of like a fuck you to the people who are like, that's weird. I've never done that before. And it's just like, oh, really? Because a ton of people do. And actually, I, I saw that. I think you have it on your shared stories on Instagram. And I was clicking through and I was like, wow, this is a remarkable photo album of different, <laughs> right? of different humans like that. all Like we all cry or like have lower points. It It was it was remarkable to me. Thank you. Yeah, that's if I could do a, like a, a gallery of just crying people, I would <laughs> you know, and half of them made me cry, too. And, and 
what was cool about that too is I just asked people to send me crying selfies, but they all gave me a story with it. Expecting that, it was just like, oh, this is when my dog was sick and about to be put down, or this huh. is when it was just all these different stories. And I was, it also like made me closer with a lot of people because I was like, whoa, I didn't know idea you went through that. And it was kind of like a bonding thing. And, and like, I guess that's the whole point, right? Like you take crying selfies. I mean, maybe it's for attention. I don't know, but it's just, it's nice to have like this community of people who like got it and like we all just band together. But the whole point of me even putting it up was to promote tears. It's called tears. So I was like, oh, I'll put up all my crying selfies. Like great promo. Yeah, no, it is. It's a really smart riff on everything that the album is exploring. The folks that responded were some of them people that you knew and maybe others that you don't know as well. Yes. Yeah. I would say it's probably half and half of like really good friends and then just like people that I don't know well, but have been to shows or, you know, just fans. Yeah. That's cool. And you got to interact with them in this like pretty emotionally intimate way. Yes. That's like a big thing for me. Like I don't want just fans. I want like fans that are friends, you know, fans. Yeah. That you actually get to. That's kind of been my experience with this show so far. When I first started making the show back in September, I was interviewing mostly people I knew pretty reliably or like super well that I knew had been through some shit. But as the show started to grow a little bit, I've been, yeah, interacting like with people like you and people that I don't know. And it's been so, so great because we, <laughs> we just like get into the fucking nitty gritty. We just like go for it and keep it real. And I've made all these new friendships talking about depression. It's really fucking wild. Well, I think that's amazing because like if people are actually depressed, that's exactly what they need. A group mm -hmm. of people who get it and are like, we're there for you. I guarantee you we'll get them out of their depression faster than anything else, you know? A hundred percent. Other than putting it into your music, which sounds like, as you said, you called music your therapy, like music is huge for you, oh, yeah. like maintaining your state of mind. How do you help yourself with your mental health in other ways when you're going through some gnarlier times? Um, good question. I definitely was actually in therapy uh, for the first time ever during oh. quarantine. Yeah, I got to a point where it was just really dark. <laughs> so I had to reach out. I just needed help. So I like just Googled a bunch of therapists and called a bunch until one of them actually called me back. <laughs> well, yeah, because during the pandemic, I mean, especially at the beginning of it, therapists were like stretched to the fucking brim. Right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it was a dark time. I lived by myself. I was really going through it. Um, and like I said, all that traumatic stuff that I'd been through before I went to Chicago. I mean, when I wasn't working or interning or out with friends, I was forced to sit at home alone and think about all of the trauma. And all yeah, it's terrifying not having anything to do. It fucking sucks. Yeah, it's not right. And I, I realized how much of the stuff that I do just to like, I don't know, hide from, you know, I don't know, just not to not think about things I don't want to think about. And once I couldn't hide from it anymore, it was so overwhelming that, yeah, I mean, it got to a breaking point for me. I was like, I need to, I need help, you know? And it was just one day where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen if I don't get help. So I need it. And I just called, I was like very desperate and I found someone and um, I actually stopped going to the therapist like a few weeks ago now, or maybe like a month ago. Got it. Was that an, was that a decision you two sort of came to together? It was a decision I came to because I knew that I was 
I feel like I'm in a so much of a better place where I can handle it now. Cool. And I don't want to, you know, I, I just didn't want to continue anymore because I, I think I like really processed all of the things that I'd gone through. It really helped me. And then I got to a point where I'm like, now every time I talk to her, I feel worse. Like we're bringing back things up that it's just like, I've already dealt with this. Right, right. You're like re-traumatizing yourself. <laughs> right. It was just like, at this point, I feel that I'm ready to live and not just talk about everything. It's like, at a certain point, I don't want to analyze everything until I'm dead. It's just like, okay, got it. Now, now let's move forward. That's real. Like there, there's a lot of folks that are of the school of thought that for some people, therapy just for like a short period of time, like six months, 10 months, is really like might be all you as an individual need. Some folks m might really like staying in therapy for years and years and years, but like in the same way with, with antidepressants and b brain drugs and all that shit, you don't necessarily have to stay on the meds or stay in talk therapy for years and years and years in order for it to help you and be effective. I totally hear that. In my mind, I just think everyone has a different, um, it, it's different for everyone and they know what's good for them and their body and, you know, their mental health. And for me, I didn't know what was, you know, I just knew I needed it at the time. By the time it was the end for me, like I just knew, I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good now. And I'd never had it before in my life and it was the first time. So I don't know what I expected. I think I expected I was going to be on it a lot long, like in it a lot longer, but yeah. I honestly was like, I feel good now. I like, I feel very stable and happy and I'm like really ready to like fly. You know, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's funny being on this podcast too, on a, on a time where I feel that I'm actually extremely happy and like thriving, you know? So sorry, that doesn't go with the theme. But no, I mean, it's okay. Sometimes, sometimes the episodes like end a little more on a downer and sometimes they end a little more on an upper and I'm super down to put out an upper episode for the listener. Right. And I think it's like hopeful too, because that, it just 100%. means that like, you could be extremely depressed and like you can make it through. And I think a lot of it, like at a certain point too, it was almost, and I hate to say this because I don't want anyone to think that like it's a choice, but I mentally told myself, I was like, we're done. Like we're done being upset. We're done being sad. We're done being depressed. It's time to like put my big girl panties on. Like it's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of had like a talk with myself and I was like, yeah. back up. Like you did your thing. You got your therapy. You're feeling good. Like, like nowhere. I just didn't want to pity myself anymore. Like continue to like let that be the theme of my life. It was mm -hmm. like, that was you know, that was a moment and I got through it. And you, and you treat, you sought treatment. Like you literally, you know, like in the same way that we go get treatment when we have some physical ailment bullshit, you did that for your mind and, and it worked. It really, really, really helped. I think that I like am an advocate for therapy a hundred percent. I think it's. That's so great. You've completely helpful. turned after spending your whole life, not, not utilizing it. Now you're a therapy advocate. Oh yeah. Well, I, I didn't know really, you know, but I just, mm -hmm. There was just stuff even with my family and when I was like a kid, like just my parents getting a divorce and stuff where when I was little, I don't even remember me crying about it because I just would watch TV or just distract myself with things. And um, so a lot of that was just like a, a bunch of old childhood traumatic stuff that I didn't even think about or like I just right. I think bottled it up. And so it was, it was all just coming back to haunt me. And it was really necessary that I talk it out and really feel that pain. Yeah. And I think that was like the hardest part was like, going back to the pain of being a kid and how much that hurt and, and like actually being like, uh, like allowing myself to be sad about it and cry about it, which also I, 
felt that like I knew so many people who had bigger issues than me growing up. So it also just felt like I'm not allowed to cry about this. This is nothing like people go through actual bad <laughs> like things, you know, I can relate to that like a motherfucker. It, like yeah. th they call it like grieving Olympics or like trauma Olympics, which is a fallacy, right? Like it's bullshit. Like other people have been through really gnarly stuff, but that doesn't necessarily negate what you're feeling. But Oh, yeah. I, I've like been in your mental position where I didn't think that I like had enough reason to be feeling how I was feeling. Like I'm such a wuss, you know what I mean? It's right. And not only that, but I don't know if this is the same for you, but I had, uh, I was seeing someone for a while who, you know, went through a lot and kind of made me feel like what I went through wasn't bad at all. And oh, I, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, I felt like very brainwashed into thinking like, oh, like my hurt's not bad because they went through way worse things, you know? Totally. So unhealthy, very unhealthy. And I had to, a big chunk of that was realizing like, I'm allowed to be sad because it, like it was really difficult for me, you know? You had really internalized, yeah, the messages that you were being told. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a whole other thing. But relation toxic relationships are so <laughs> gnarly. Dude. That's correct. Yeah. So you you managed to produce a ton of music and finish off this EP and get it out in the world over the course of the pandemic. Sounds like while you were moving in and out of the, this pro like long ass depressive episode. So how did you do that? <laughs> I know, I just know it can be so, it, it can be so difficult to create things in oh, yeah. stressful times. Yeah. It's, it can be very daunting when you're depressed. Sometimes you just don't do anything. I had luckily written, you know, most of it beforehand. And I was working with this uh, amazing mixer. Jordan River Recordings is the company. And basically, I just sent them all the stems and they were mixing it. We, were, we met up like three or four times to do edits and stuff. And so they were great with that. But yeah, I made a ton of music during the pandemic. I think it was difficult at times, but it was also the thing that saved me because I'll, like when I had nothing to do, I had music. Mm. So that was became my distraction. That became kind of like one of the only things that put a smile on my face during that time. Got you know? it. Yeah. So it was very helpful and therapeutic. And I find my I found myself writing a lot of happy music to try and like fight the depression. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. the content yeah. of your lyrics and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And I totally wrote a ton of like confident music, too. And I guess I was trying to like manifest it or like fake it till I make it or whatever. And yeah, I don't know. It's helpful. And it's not. I think that there's something to be said about like, if you're if you are depressed, allowing yourself to like wallow in it is really important because I tend to fight it. Mm -hmm. And it only prolongs it and makes it worse, you know, so that's like something I learned the hard way. But I don't know. I guess it, it was kind of helpful. I mean, it, even though it was temporarily like happy feelings, it still was nice to have, you know. I have this funny <laughs> memory coming to my mind from a high school theater teacher back in my uh, youthful days in L.A. where I was like kind of like weirdly miserable working on this show that I didn't want to be in. That's like some teenage angst bullshit. But I remember her <laughs> saying to me, I remember her saying to me, sometimes you can trick your brain 
And if you come into rehearsal and tell yourself you're going to enjoy it, suddenly you'll find yourself enjoying it. Now, I don't necessarily know how legitimate what she said was, but for some reason, it stuck with me. And I like use I like use that trick on myself. It is. It is true. Like to a certain extent, that's real. You know, I get it. I, I don't know. I think you can convince yourself that you're happy, but like, are you? (laughs) exactly well yeah like in the real to the real core of your being but maybe temporarily it's almost like we're tricking our serotonin and our endorphins to to fire off and keep us wait so where are you where'd you grow up in LA so I hate admitting this now but I will certainly admit it because I have to keep it real on like who I am and the the privilege in which I grew up I I grew up in Sherman Oaks and I went to Marymount High School which the the reason I gave that disclaimer is because Marymount High School has been at the forefront of the varsity blues college admission scandal and yeah yeah I watched watched that documentary on Netflix and I was like bamboozled like what yeah there were a ton of shots of my of Marymount of my high school in the documentary because Lori Laughlin's daughter was going there oh no way and that I yeah, that was crazy. I wow. had some issues with that documentary because I thought it actually really let the parents and the schools off the hook for things that they were, I think, more complicit in than the documentary made it sound like. But right. no, no one's asking me for my opinion. <laughs> right. That's so interesting. Wow. But also- I thought that was like wild, especially because I don't it just trips me out that people that are that famous and well off and already doing so well. It's like they have a need so hard to like look perfect still. I mean, dude. I know. Really? Like you're already Aunt Becky. Like you need your kids to be perfect? I don't know. It's just wild to me. Truthfully, I don't even know why Lori Laughlin wanted her daughter to go to school so badly. I mean, I guess she just wanted to go to USC. But the kid, the daughter already had this like banging, highly successful YouTube channel that she was probably right. making tons of cash on. So I'm like, why do you even want her to go to college? <laughs> right. so well, I don't know if I remember this correctly or not, but I thought it was because she her, like the the mom. I, I keep calling her Aunt Becky because I don't know her real name, but didn't she not go to college? Right. Yeah, I think you're probably right. That makes sense because she was an actor when she was young. Right. So and I know like for my mom, like she wasn't able to go to college. I mean, at at that time, her parents just were like, women don't go to college. It's not, you know, you don't need to do that. And so for my mom, it was huge deal that me and my sister went to college, you know, and I hated college. I wanted to drop out every semester. And she's Mm -hmm. like, no, you're going to finish. And got it. And I did it. And, you know, looking back, I'm happy that I did. But I think that that's like a huge thing for people when they don't go. It's like very, it's important that their kids do, you know. Had you been performing before that? Like, I mean, even just as a teenager in Santa Monica, I feel like when we were teens, there was a ton of opportunity at like parties and stuff and warehouse pop-up things to to work and practice. I definitely was like drunk freestyling at a lot of parties (laughs) in high school. And I just, you know, it was so fun. I think that's how like maybe every rapper starts. And then um, it kind of moved on from there. There was like these boys in my high school who they, their rap name, they were called the Killbots. <laughs> and they uh, let me get on a couple of their songs in high school. And cool. it was so fun. But everyone, I mean, like pretty much everyone in school just thought I was trash and like talked really bad about my music and stuff. And Do you think why? Like, do you, 
because I was trash. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were and right. You embrace it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look at like you. Not everyone starts off really good. I think that 100%. I, I had, I had a knack for music, and I like knew that I. I like always had a blind faith in myself like, oh, I know I'm going to be dope at this because I know that I have it. Mm -hmm. But like you don't just sit at a piano and know how to play piano. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not going to be good right away. It's just not realistic. So I don't know. It's taken me a long time. Now I've done music um, for like eight years and I full time. Yeah. If you listen to my music now compared to when I first started, like there is a vast, vast difference, you know? So have you had the opportunity to do any sort of like music education or music outreach now that you're, you know, a professional working out in the world? Definitely thought about it. It's actually something that lately I've been thinking about a lot just because um, my nephew was born last year he's like the first baby I've like ever really known. This sounds weird, but, uh, and I got really attached to him because it was during like the height of COVID and nobody knew, you know, what COVID-19 was. And so they couldn't get like a nanny or anything. And I lived super close. So I, I like took care of him, you know, with mm -hmm. them because they had to work and stuff. So, uh, I just got so close, close to my nephew and realized like, I think I like kids. Like, I think that like kids are awesome. So now I, I just think like, I would love to do some mentoring. It's, it's really funny that you said that because yesterday I was literally Googling after school programs and mentoring and stuff like that. Cause I would love, uh, you know what I think would be so beneficial is teaching kids at a really young age, um, how to use like logic or garage band. Oh my God. You're so right. <laughs> And getting them started like now or like they can record themselves, especially I think, you know, kids that are going through stuff, you know, low socioeconomic areas or anger issues, it's like music, like I said, is my therapy. So if, if I was like, or if I could help a 10 year old who's going through it, like just pull up their garage band, and make a little song <clears throat> to deal with it. I mean, I just think it's so beneficial. Yeah, I agree. So the EP for Tears is out. Would Is that something you'd ever turn into a full album? I'm not sure necessarily how it works. Um, no, EP is, I like the project the way it is. It's five tracks and, you know, it's kind of ties together nicely. And I'm not feeling that way anymore. I mean, all my new music that's coming out like from now on or from for the rest, throughout the rest of the year is like quite different. So, um, but Tears is you know, it's a moment in time. And I think it's an important EP. So I'm keeping it. It's beautiful. Basically, we should keep our eyes peeled for new music coming out soon. But I feel like Tears is going to be this precious, like time capsule of oh, a yeah. project. Do you know what I mean? Sort of like your photo, the Tears photo project. It's like you're going to look, we're all going to look back on it and remember <laughs> very, very viscerally. What this this project last like. year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're one day we're gonna have kids and they're gonna be like, oh, the, the report is about where our parents were during the pandemic. I'm gonna be like, uh, uh, I'm not, I'm gonna tell you, it's terrible. Don't make me relive it. Thank you so much for coming on Depressed and Shit today, Devmo. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're awesome. And by the way, your first name is my middle name, so I had to put that out. There. Your middle name is Leah. Yeah, without an H. What my that's how I spell I'm just L E A. I know I see that. That's why I was like, oh what? Like no one spells their their name like that. That is fucking wild. I don't like it's just such a rare name across the board. First name, middle name. That's so great. Cool. 
Depressed and Shit was recorded in a real, live bedroom in Los Angeles, California. Music by Eric England, logo designed by Carrie Weiss, produced and hosted by Real Honest Batch, Liamata. Do you have reactions to today's episode? Do you have an experience with mental health you'd like to share? Or are you the baby angel from the heavens that wants to donate to cover administrative costs and all that fun shit? Email us at depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. No asterisk here, folks. That's just the logo. Shit is spelled S-H-I-T. Bye-bye. To repeat, depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. See you next Wednesday.